everyone. So Mandy and I um, spent a little time this past week reflecting on what was ahead of us in terms of uh, the food that we could expect this week. And I, I'll be honest, it felt a little daunting. All the food that we'll, we'll have to eat with Mandy's family. Uh, brunch on Thursday morning, then Thanksgiving, lots of meat and potatoes. And, and then we have uh, breakfast the next morning and leftovers the next day. And then a family party on Saturday. And it's pretty daunting. And, uh, and I imagine many of us are in the same boat. There's a lot of food ahead of us. A lot of bready, filling stuff. And uh, we find today that there's some food in our scripture. We see, we see food appearing a lot throughout the scriptures. And bread, and, and in this case in uh, Deuteronomy, manna or grain. Um, bread is often the stand-in for food. Maybe it's because... It was the only food or the primary food for people. Uh, it's all throughout the scripture. And uh, it's, it's this foundation for a, a robust diet. Um, and, and it just made me wonder and think a little bit about how you could tell the story of humanity or even the story of God through something as simple as or complex as bread. Um, of course, there's a bunch of scholars that do things like that. There's a guy named... Jared Diamond, who's written this very famous book called Guns, Germs, and Steel, and he spends a bit of time doing this kind of thing, where he examines how civilizations have risen and fallen and been affected by something as simple as grain or bread. Um, I'm going to get a little geeky for a second, but it'll be fun. (laughs) Uh, If if you uh, can imagine a hunter-gatherer society early on in human, human civilization who... Uh, don't have farms, can't cultivate the land because they don't know of that technology. And in order to eat, they have to go out, they have to hunt animals, they have to find vegetables. And they work all day long to just survive. And you can't build up this this strong civilization. So eventually people begin to, to discover technologies like farming. And there's this culmination of all these factors that come together that help bread to grow and feed more and more people. Um, you have fertile land. You have domesticated animals that can help these farms survive. And so if you have the right combination of factors, then you might have a civilization that is specialized in one area, farming, feeding the rest of the population who could go off and write books and build big buildings and all those kinds of things. And if you wanted to, you could examine history just through the lens of bread, how people who have bread dominate those who don't, how wars are fought over bread in uh, all over the world, all different times of history. I think my son would gladly jump into a war over bread. (laughs) He's uh, almost a year, and it's his favorite food. Um, He loves it, and it's the only thing he really screams about right now. Um, So most humans throughout history have spent a significant portion of their lives concerned and worrying about whether or not they're going to be fed, whether or not they have bread to live. And others, the privileged few, which is probably true of all of us, is my guess, we haven't had to worry about these kinds of things. Some people, when evaluating history, might want to celebrate those civilizations that have come on top, who have the bread, who have the filled silos, who 
have outlasted others, fed millions, built technologies, great works of art. But this is not the story of bread that God tells in the scriptures. At various times and in various places, God has been the God of those, those who, who have bread and those who don't have bread. And that's what we find, a little glimpse of that in some of the readings today, in Deuteronomy especially. You have a history of God's people as, as those who have been wandering in the wilderness, who haven't had what they needed, and they're still God's people. And you also have a part of their history where they're feasting in the promised land. It's a future, a promised future where they will be feasting and they will have more bread than they'd ever need. And what God wants to say to us as people who often are feasting, but sometimes are fasting, he wants to say to all people across all time and all space, all across the globe, people who have bread, who have food, people who don't, you do not live by bread alone, but you live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He says that to all people. These famous words from Deuteronomy are are perfect for us to reflect on in preparation for one of the biggest American feasts. And what's interesting is these words will pop up twice in our readings this year. They're going to pop up today, and they're going to pop up on the first Sunday of Lent. They're going to pop up for us as we're feasting, and they're going to pop up for us as we're fasting. You do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He says this to all people. God doesn't say these words because he's ignoring our need for physical bread, our need to actually survive and live. He speaks to both of us, both of these groups about these things. You who are hungry, you who are in the wilderness, you who have been former slaves and are struggling just to survive, God will take care of your physical needs. Sometimes this will be through the love of your neighbor from those more fortunate Christians around you who God commands to share generously, to give sacrificially to those who are hungry. This isn't an option for us Christians. This is real religion, as the the writers of Scripture call it. This is why he commands his people to always visit widows and orphans in their afflictions, to use James' words today. To visit for, care for, feed the hungry, those in the wilderness. God will provide for them either through others or sometimes through miraculous provision, through manna falling from heaven. And for those of us who are full, who are in the promised land in a sense, who are feasting, we have all the bread that we'd ever need, a land of wheat, barley, vine, fig trees, pomegranates, to use the language of Deuteronomy 8, olive trees, honey. We will eat bread, be without scarcity, lack nothing. We will will eat and be full. These are words that will be very familiar to us soon and maybe are already. And for us, he would command us to care for our neighbors, but he'd also ask us, are we satisfied with this kind of bread? James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. This food and this bread that we're going to be eating tomorrow, these are good gifts from above, right? We're good, probably, many of us are going to be around a big table, and we might take a moment to thank God together or quietly for these many good gifts. We might thank him for that physical food. We might thank him for family, for good work, for friends who care for us, for safety, maybe a moment of physical relief after a tough surgery or 
some kind of physical recovery, reconciliation with someone we care deeply about. These are all good things. Maybe we thank God for our children, for being dad and mom, or maybe our children have a a simple thanks of just getting to play with a friend or have a certain kind of toy. And they might be much more significant things than these, like moving out of homelessness or a big occasion like a first marriage, meeting your first grandchild for the first time. All these are good gifts from above. These are good gifts from above. And we should give God thanksgiving for all these things today, every Sunday, every day of the week, every Thanksgiving. And we do these too. We thank God for these things in our prayers together every week. But to go back to James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. I don't think any of these gifts are the perfect gift. We do not live by these good gifts alone. We do not live by bread alone. We do not live by health alone, by family alone, by physical health alone, by happiness, by safety. We do not live by any of these things alone. They are good. Some of them very literally help us live. And they might matter deeply to us, especially if we don't have as much as some other people. But they don't help us experience the fullness of life in the kingdom of God, of life flourishing in Christ. We do not live by these good gifts alone, but we live by the perfect gift. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. More specifically, yes, we do live by by the word of God, through his scriptures that give us life. But more specifically, we live by the word of God, by Jesus Christ, the son of God, the true bread of heaven, the body of Christ, the bread of heaven, as one of the clergy will say over the bread as we hand it to you each week, the body of Christ, the bread of heaven, the true bread. This, brothers and sisters, is the true Thanksgiving feast. We celebrate it weekly. And we are celebrated tonight. This is the true Thanksgiving feast. We even call it Thanksgiving. We call it Eucharist. Thanksgiving. This is the true Thanksgiving feast. The broken body and shed blood of Christ, which gives us everlasting life. It's accessible to anyone who would receive it. Those fasting, either purposely or out of necessity. Those in the wilderness and those feasting and those in the promised land. It's accessible to all these people. Matthew 6.25, which we also read tonight, we never need to be anxious about this life, what we will eat, what we will drink. These good gifts that help us live, food, clothing, loved ones, shelter, the, the list goes on, as I did earlier. Our Heavenly Father will provide them. He knows we need these things to actually live. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He will make sure we have those things, but he also calls us to seek more. Again, this is the Thanksgiving table, the Thanksgiving feast of God's kingdom. Receive this good gift, this true bread, the bread that will give you life, the bread from heaven, the fullness of our daily bread that we request every time we say the Lord's Prayer. It's here celebrating Thanksgiving in this house where we, we will be most satisfied as the psalmist sings, and as we said together earlier, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, O Lord, the holiness of your temple.
The story of humanity and its search for bread need not simply be the story of the haves and have-nots in endless struggle for one another, fighting for food and resources, conquering others to survive. This is one, one way of viewing the history of humanity and one that we should pay attention to. But the story of humanity and its search for bread, for true spiritual food, the bread from heaven, is one where all people, both those feasting and those fasting, both the haves and the have-nots, will ultimately find satisfaction in God's house, in God's kingdom, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I invite you to stand and let us confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. And together, we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I invite you to turn with me in your Book of Common Prayer um, to page 680, 680. A Litany of Thanksgiving. So let us give thanks to God our Father for all his gifts so freely bestowed upon us. For the beauty and the wonder of your creation in earth and sky and sea. For our daily food and drink, our homes and families and our friends. For minds to thank and hearts to love and hands to serve. 
for health and strength to work and time to rest and worship. For all who are patient in suffering and faithful in adversity. For all who earnestly seek after truth and all who labor for justice. For all that is good and gracious in the lives of men and women, revealing the image of Christ. For the communion of saints in all times and places. Above all, we give you thanks for the great mercies and promises given to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise and glory to you, O Father, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. So let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. And together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I invite you to stand. Having made peace with God, and we have the privilege to offer peace to one another, so the peace of the Lord be always with you.